and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle. My name is Annika Buckle. And my name is Jenny Omani. If you are enjoying our podcast, we would really enjoy a nice review on whatever platform you are listening through. Um, share with your friends, share through th- social media. I mean, everybody can link now. So you can just like li- literally link the episode if you really feel adventurous. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. Share, share. We're loving this. This is so fun. Awesome. Speaking of fun today, we are going to talk about something that's been in the news quite a bit over the last little bit. Um, we're going to talk about Jenny Craig today. Oh, now I remember what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, so if it's not already obvious, I'm just going to add a disclaimer. We're going to talk about dieting. We're going to talk about calorie restriction. Um, probably you figured that out from the title, but, um, just, you know, like look after your mental health. Um, if this is a delicate topic for you right now. So, um, we're going to first kind of talk about Jenny, the person, and then we're going to talk about Jenny, the business. Um, and then we're going to talk about Jenny, the diet. So you'll kind of get three little chunks today. Oh, there's three Jennies. (laughs) Well, four, if we include you, I do not want to be included (laughs) alongside Jenny. You're, You're not the diet, Jenny. Um, unless it's income wise, I feel like she probably did okay for herself. Oh yeah. Very, so, very much. I'll take her income. You can, you can have her, um, multiple private planes and her, Ooh, I don't know if I, I don't know about private plane, but I'll take a mansion with a nice pool and some caretakers who do all the caretaking. <laughs> I'll take that. Mostly. I just actually want the caretakers. Can I have somebody come and caretake me in my house? Mm-hmm. Please. Thank you. I'd be fine with that. Um, okay. So she was born August 7th, 1932. And her name wasn't Jenny or even Jennifer, which I assume. That's weird. Cause it's just a really normal name. <laughs> Genevieve. Um, so she was born in Louisiana and raised in New Orleans. Um, what I find really interesting is that there is not a ton out there, um, at least on the internet about her early life. And I know we've talked about this before in our Doreen Virtue episode, but honestly, mm-hmm. in this day and age, it's like almost suspicious when things are absent from someone's Wikipedia page, especially, uh, someone who is also a brand. What I found is from reputable sources, but I have to say the less reputable sources really add some more color in. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if this is true, but I like it. And this is the only place <laughs> I can find it. I don't know that like celebritybiography.com is like really. I don't a... know that this Reddit thread is really going to be <laughs> winning any awards for accuracy, but it sure <laughs> may. I hope it is. Um, I will add that there are certainly a number of books, including an autobiography that I mostly did not read for this week. So I'm sure there's more there. Although I will say I did attempt to start her autobiography, but it was so painfully written I got through like 15 pages and I was like no I, I'm sorry I can't do this there's no excuse for it to be painfully written when you're like a multi-millionaire because you're not writing it yourself anyways like I don't know who like you have a was, writer but like you need a new one so it seem her early life seems to indicate that she grew up in an economically disadvantaged household she was the youngest of six kids her mom was I assume at home as she's described as growing her own vegetables to help feed her large family it's also depression era so well and so for context it was 1932 and given it was the great depression I think probably everyone wasn't alone (laughs) not super wealthy was struggling um she she even says quote, I never felt poor because everyone else was in the same boat. So I mean, this is, this is the thirties. And I mean, really into the forties until the war was over. Right. Um, so I'm spending a little bit of extra time on this because I think that this context is important for a few Mm -hmm. of the things that we'll kind of get to. 
Um, One of the most interesting things that I grabbed from her autobiography before I gave up on it was the section talking about (laughs) growing up with her siblings. So they were all two years apart and, you know, teased each other in the way that, you know, only siblings do. But it's really interesting to me, you know, right out of the gate, I want to highlight where she talks about her sister, Trudy, who she calls, quote, on the plump side and whose nickname was Fatso. Oh, God, come on. Be nice to Trudy. She deserves better than that. Bless Trudy. So she then goes on at length about how she, Jenny, was, quote, so frail that her mother used to say, quote, I know that child must have TB. She's too thin. She spends a whole page talking about how her sister used to have to buy clothes in chubby sizes and she used to wear out her shoes so quickly. And then in the next sentence... She goes on about how even though people thought she was too thin, she was, quote, really healthy. You can see this framing and staging being set really young, right? Oh, my sister is fat and that's a problem. But I was thin, but I was healthy, right? Um, Do you are you also aware that there was a period in time? I'm going to say pre-Victorian time. I don't know the exact time period where like TB chic was essentially a thing. Because yes. people with TB That's were the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. No, but okay, but it was actually no, but it makes sense. This is thing. how this is how diet trends work, right? A hundred percent. So there was a sort of a movement to mimic the look of having TB without actually having tuberculosis, because it's you know, especially Deadly. that in, yeah, in in this phase of <laughs> yeah humanity, it's it's yeah, it's lethal. But yeah, no. So that that look was actually I just think of like how we went to heroin chic, but like we. <laughs> People have been doing this shit for centuries. Well, and I mean, that's a perfect lead in because one of the other things she talks about um, is how, you know, Twiggy, the model, suddenly hitting the scene and how all of a sudden now her oh, yeah, yeah. is being prized, right? So mm-hmm. she wins a beauty pageant, then she gets a modeling contract. She passes up the modeling contract because her parents get a divorce and immediately mm-hmm. after her mom suffers a series of strokes. Oh. Jenny's the one living, still living at home. I just want to add of note, this was not because of her age, but because she was unmarried, but those were- Of course, yeah. (laughs) She was a spinster. Yeah, a spinster, (laughs) I think 20 or whatever, anyway. Spinster, Um, living at home. (laughs) um, So she spent three months with her in the hospital, and then at the age of 49, her mom died. Oh, that's awful. In different accounts- 49, having strokes and dying at 49, like- Right, so- That's really- This- is interesting because this is kind of where this pops up again and again and again in sources that I'm like, do we trust this? But, you know, people highlight how her mom was whatever overweight looks like and how that was a turning point for her, you know? Um, But A, I don't know that that's true. And B, what really kills me in that conversation is it's not about trauma or socioeconomic status or access to food consistently or any Mm -hmm. of these systems that keep people Mm -hmm. in poverty, which unequivocally leads to worse health outcomes than body size. Mm -hmm. Because this is, again, this is just the conversation, right? It's And realistically, do we even have like an accurate birth record for her mom? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) never mind her like People can absolutely die at any from strokes and stuff like, but like, yeah. Well, and even if she did. Lacking in context. (laughs) How dare, you know, it's immediately like, how do we figure out why she started this diet empire? Oh, it's because her family was all fat and died too young you know it's yeah people really want to paint this you know origin story for her i think but they but it, there's something so appealing about rags to riches yeah having it's like very there's just, american dream it's right? very able exactly right yeah. and it and if you look at the time period like the 1950s was like peak american right. dream time dream. totally because it totally. was because you could like 
buy a house. Like economically, you could yep. buy a house with one income. You could like, there was a lot. That's where like when suburbs started, like yeah. people could live out of the city and it cost us money. And they like, it was totally a time period where that was happening. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming yeah, there was, there was a city and then people could live outside of it. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. like, yeah. And is yeah. this when her mom died? Was it like in the fifties? So I'm just guessing based on 30, yeah, 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 it was. Okay. Um, so I kind of want to skip ahead to what happens after the birth of her kids. So by the late fifties, oh, okay. she was, so this is just a few years later, really, but she's she not was, a spinster anymore. No, she's married, pregnant Great. with her second child. Um, it was a really difficult pregnancy. She was put on bed rest. Um, oh, and by okay. the time her daughter, Michelle was born, she had gained 50 pounds. From an interview well, with People Magazine, just wait, in 1990, and I quote, I used to look in the mirror and cry. I would cry and cry and say, what did you do to yourself? And that just breaks my heart. Jenny, you, know? you had postpartum depression. <laughs> and from, from sitting in your bed forever from, and having no human contact right, right. at a time before social media and FaceTime, you literally yeah. sat alone probably. right. And I'm right. sorry, 50 pounds gained is actually within the realm of healthy. <laughs> That's not a, like, I think right. I gained about 40 ish each time. And like, well, and I don't know, like our bodies are different and every baby is different. Yeah. And, and I, I don't even know because my just... midwives never, if they did, it's not memorable. Right. Which is notable. Right. I, yeah. 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 This is it. Right. It's this, what did you do to yourself? Right. That... Oh Yeah you've done this, you're accountable. Now you have to fix it again. It's this pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. You messed up your life. You have to fix it. So yeah. And there's a reason why they don't put people on bed rest anymore, unless there's like a real, cause right. Because the other things that can stem the negatives mm-hmm. are huge, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. being alone and immobile, like well, that will chip like away at anybody's hormonal. psyche. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, hormonal. Yeah. 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 So What she says at this time is that she was, quote, looking for something to solve the problem. And then, quote, Oh, because it's a problem. Problem to solve. Her body's a problem to solve. Well, no, she's Um, a problem because she she, said her body and she said, what have you done to yourself? Like she's, she is her own problem. Yeah. So it seems that from what I can glean, she went on what appears to be a crash diet, joined a gym. Um, but honestly, this part feels a bit yada, yada, yada for somebody whose whole professional existence is about, well, this is, I'll get to that. This is really interesting. Seems a little bit Um, odd. People, you know, her whole professional existence is about teaching people how to lose weight. Yeah. Her own story is very yada, yada, yada. I think in terms of, I mean, I watched interview after interview, you know, I've read every magazine spread on, you know, one on her home where she talks about, you know, this and that it's just really, in, it, it's, it's conspicuous in its absence of detail, you know? Mm, okay. Um, so she becomes such a part of this gym that she starts working there. She eventually becomes a manager. Um, what I find really telling is that she talks about how it's, it's in this period. She realizes that women losing weight can, and I quote, change their whole personality. Um, but again, this is a woman who has been afforded thin privilege for most of her life, what mm-hmm. we know again and again from the research is that in the few times that people, you know, lose weight and keep it off are people who have gained weight from a short-term situation, yeah. like medication, like a pregnancy, and whose yeah. bodies are just naturally smaller. And they're also statistically the most critical of people in larger bodies. 
<laughs> right. People well, who have lot who have the formerly fat are yes. the most critical of the fat. Like right. that is like a very common, like because I did it. Quoted so statistic. what's your problem? Totally. Right? Why can't yeah. why can't you fix your problem, which is you? Your problem is you. What have mm-hmm. you done to yourself? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to highlight this because again, we're talking about somebody who started a company that is pivotal in the diet culture movement of the 80s, 90s, Mm -hmm. early aughts. Um, This is from an LA Times interview uh, from 1990. It's a little bit long, but I want to read the whole thing because it really drives this home. Okay. Quote, she has managed to maintain her weight and said it has not fluctuated more than three pounds in the last 30 years. Fruit is her idea of a snack or treat. The only craving for a quote, no, no, she admits to is ice cream. She still has her grandmother's ice cream churn, but she said these days frozen yogurt will suffice. Quote, thank God I practice what I preach. She said, confiding that people take it upon themselves to look over her grocery cart in the checkout line and comment. She has to point out, she has to point out (laughs) at times that she is not on a reducing diet. This is the kicker for me about the diets in general and the Jenny Craig diet specifically for almost everyone. It's the maintenance phase. That's a kicker. Sure. Mm-hmm. She actively denies herself treats, but she openly admits she's not on a reducing diet. She's somebody who's just naturally thin. I don't know. I don't this know. is just, like, okay, again, Jenny, who, who are we, who are we looking at? Who is Jenny Craig targeting? It just, I just find it really interesting that again, this is like, she solved quote unquote, solved the problem of her body. And that actually doesn't look for her like it will for anyone else, but it's this mm-hmm. N of one, right? Yeah. I fixed it. One this size fits I... all. Yeah. It's very simple. All you need to do is, and if you don't, just because you didn't do it right. Let's kind of move into the years that led up to the creation of Jenny Craig, the company. Um, Jenny's working in a fitness center. As we talked about, she's worked her way up to management. The company is called Silhouette. And at this point in the early sixties, she's managing five of their clubs. She mortgages it's it's her like house. the only gym women go to in the 1960s. Like I can't imagine gym culture amongst women in oh, the 1960s is a oh, big thing. Just wait. Okay. I'll wait. She mortgages her house to buy her own club, then sells it back to Silhouette because she decided she wanted to open some kind of franchise gym. It's now 1970. She sees mm-hmm. an ad in the paper from a man named Sid Craig. Yes, Craig. Oh, okay. She's married at this point to the father to of Sid her Craig. two kids, who is not the Mr. Craig of Jenny Craig. And actually, mm-hmm. Sid is also married and not to Jenny. So Sid okay. places an ad in the paper in New Orleans for staff to work at his new location of Body Contour Inc., which I don't want to get too distracted on here, but this kind of loops back to what you were alluding to earlier, Jenny. Um, and I think I don't. I don't know how much that we should say about this right now, but we're cooking up a little bit of a special series to run in the summer where we're going to talk about stuff like this in more detail. Um, But when I heard Jenny describe the ad as, quote, a new technique without physical exercise, I just had to look it up. So it seems Mm -hmm. that Body Contour Inc. was a figure control salon, which was what gyms for women exclusively were called and used Mm -hmm. machines like the ones that you see that like just like shake your body oh like like the band yeah like you just yeah stand there and the machine jiggles the fat away like I don't know sure I know what you're talking about though yep so this is like what gyms look like for a lot of women at oh yeah okay right Right. they're not lifting weights (laughs) they're not like they're not doing spin classes um but you know, I mean, this does kind of get me thinking about what the gym that Jenny was attending and managing would have looked like, right? Certainly not yes. like the fitness world of today. 
<laughs> or even like aerobics era, because I feel like aerobics right? era nope, doesn't that come wasn't... until probably the 80s, right? Yeah, I, I don't think know for sure, I'm guessing. it was like the l- very late 60s that aerobics was kind of invented. And then into the um, 70s, it started to become popular, peaking in kind of the 80s with James I'm just Bonda. thinking of like the, yeah, exactly. Sweatbands, yeah. neon. Yeah, okay. yeah. So anyway, I don't, again, it, we're not going to digress too far, but I, I just think, again, this is really important when you start to look at how her views of fat and femininity were shaped. Mm-hmm. You know, it paints a really interesting picture of kind of this inspiration to start a weight loss company. Both Jenny and Sid say that they only started a romantic relationship after they were both divorced. Who I'm are we sure to they say did. That, who are mm. we to say that that's not true? Mm. But they were working very closely as a team for years before they were married in Vegas in 1979. Where all planned marriages happen. <laughs> um, in 1982, Body Contour Inc., as a part of Gloria Marshall, kind of the larger company, was sold to Nutrisystem. And because the Craig signed a two-year non-complete, non-compete clause with Nutrisystem for the United States only, they decided to move to Australia with the intention mm. to start their own weight loss company. Mm. So this is where we shift into Jenny Craig, the company. 1983, they opened nine stores in Australia that front a weight management program that combines nutrition, counseling, physical activity, and initially actually also included supplements, which is interesting. Hmm. Funny they got um, rid of that. Or do they still? I don't know. Uh, they no, a, they, they don't. could have a robust supplement line. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, and there's a very interesting story about how they got in a lot of trouble with the Australian regulators because they had basically the ingredient list was not full of vitamins that weren't approved. Nice. <laughs> so they ended up dumping, I think it's like $17,000 and 1983 dollars worth of vitamins. But they also opened like, nine stores ocean. as the start. Like that's no joke. Right. And I mean, we'll just this do is, it. This is a huge part of the coverage is around what she talks about, like how they balance each other. He's the marketer, you know, she's the details. He comes up with the idea or she comes up with the idea. He figures out how they're going to market it. And she just believes. And then they push through with her belief, you know, again, very, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, keeping in mind, yeah. like they would have taken millions of dollars that they got from the sale of their previous company to start this. But anyway, Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, so the second their non-compete clause was up, they decided to move back to the States and expand where by 1987, Two years later, they'd open up 46 U.S. locations as well as oh, 114, wow. 114 new locations in other countries. So, wow, a huge amount of growth in a very short period of time. That's like that's wild, actually. Right, right. I mean, even so, Peloton didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, this should be zero percent surprise as we follow kind of the trajectory. In 1991, they IPO'd. Um, And by 1996, they had $401 million in revenue that year alone. Wow. So what is really interesting to me is that their share price was actually really volatile through the 90s. Hmm. I kind of had in my head that this is like the heyday of low fat diet culture and they must have just been like churning money over money. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems partly due to rapid growth, issues like low level employee turnover, expensive leases. Um, but also blamed partly on the weight loss drugs of the 1990s. Spoiler, this is also what people are crediting with its announcement to completely shutter its doors now in early May. Um, oh, was this like Ben Fen era? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, 
but also an FTC lawsuit that I'll talk about in a second. Um, due to all of that, they were eventually delisted from the New York Stock Exchange in 2001. Hmm. So there were a few notable legal issues in the 90s. Um, one was in 1993, where the FTC charged them with deceptive advertising practices because they, quote, did not have substantiation or data to back up weight loss and weight loss management claims they were making. We were literally just talking about this, right? Mm -hmm. With the yeah. FTC warning to almost 700 companies that they need yeah. to be able to back up their health claims. <laughs> yeah, you, you can just, you, I mean, if you, you can say whatever you want, as long as you can have proof that what you're saying is true. Right. And I mean, it's so interesting, right? Like things just kind of stay the same don't they like no <laughs> well obviously the owners of jenny craig had not infiltrated the board of the ftc like so many other companies <laughs> did going forward <laughs> well and of note i think this is where you get the disclaimers that we see on diet ads now the quote results not typical is the direct result of this specific ftc ruling i like how that's how they Right. They're like, you can't you can say, say all say, this stuff. You can say it. You just have Unless to say. Unless you have like, like two font right. disclaimers in the bottom and that voice that speaks super, super quickly right. at the end. It's also typical. Please, please consult your doctor. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, what exactly. did they just say? I don't know, but there's a thin person on the screen. And that's <laughs> what, and I know my body has to be fixed and I want it to look like that. So mm. anyways, um, that's the result of the FTC ruling. So, I mean, I think that's the other thing. It's like, yes, so we see these warnings to companies, but like, what is the teeth? What is the follow through? What is the backup? It's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? Right, right. And apparently it's like very little. But anyway, the other lawsuit in the 1990s I want to talk about was a class action lawsuit also started in 1993. Tough year for Jenny. Um, this alleged that the company's diet could cause gallstones. It was eventually settled in 1997 with Jenny Craig agreeing to pay $10 million in cash and give away $36 million retail of product, which, especially as a former merchandise buyer, I just have to derail us for a second and highlight something that will hopefully help with media literacy when you see a headline like this moving forward. Mm -hmm. So first, Jenny Craig's insurer played, paid $6 million of the $10 million cash payment, divided among 22,000 former clients who filed their claims as a result of the suit. Mm -hmm. But this $36 million retail of product was paid out in the form of $100 merchandise gift certificates, which 360,000 so former product. clients were eligible for. Right. This is what I want to highlight. So you're just like, you're not giving them anything. You're just, we're sending them back to you to get more shit from you. And $36 million at retail means if you got one of these $100 gift certificates, you got $100 worth of retail product. That did yeah. not cost Jenny Craig $100. No, that probably if cost being 10 very generous and assume, let's say, only a 50% markup, which, I mean, I don't know, but it could be as much as 80 even assuming just a 50% markup, that's still only costing them $18 million. And furthermore, how many people are literally not even going to bother because what are you going to do? You're going to go get your free three meals if you're not mm -hmm. currently on a Jenny Craig program, especially if you're aware of the lawsuit and the basis that, you know, this is risky for your health. How many people are really doing that, actually? A hundred percent. And I would also argue as such a huge company, their manufacturing capabilities probably mean that their profit margins were giant. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyways, 1993 was a tough year, but 
they still come out but not that tough but they still come out pretty okay at the end of it um in 2002 they were acquired by a private equity firm which is pretty standard next step after a company gets delisted if they want to continue to operate right um they then put them up for auction and was it was eventually purchased by nestle in 2006 of course it was (laughs) pepsi and coco and everything okay Uh, you can boycott whoever you want but it's all owned by three people totally Um, yep okay it was then sold again in 2013 and again in 2019. So oh, wow. as much as I think, you know, I've seen a lot of these headlines around Jenny closing its doors, like, wow, like, this is so surprising. It's such an institution. The reality is it's been struggling since the mid 90s. It, it kind of closed its doors the first time they had to sell it. <laughs> right. So we're going to talk uh, in a little bit more detail about the actual diet and then the you know kind of cultural impact i think we'll have an interesting discussion on because i think that's most relevant to what we talk about here when we discuss wellness the specifics of cost and details have changed over the years the basis of what we're going to talk about this is like kind of a bit of a snapshot over like let's say the last 10 years mm-hmm. um because they've announced their closing you know i'm not going to be able i can't go and look at I can't go and sign up and see what happens. Um, You know, I'm certain it looked different in 1983, but. um, When eggs were going to kill you. When the cholesterol from the eggs. Right. But I mean, the basis and, you know, in interview after interview, you know, Jenny talks about this herself. It's, you know, don't cook, don't cook with butter. Don't cook with cream. Like don't, you know, use these high fat products. Mm. Um. And I touched on it a little bit before, but basically the, you know, quote unquote diet is a combination of their prepackaged food and your coaching with a consultant, an employee. So to start, you could choose either a 12 week trial membership or a 12 month premium membership. Trial membership is $39 a month with no enrollment fee. Premium this is in the eighties. Yeah. So this was, uh, 2019. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Premium has a $99 enrollment fee, but then it's only $19 a month. Now, they also would run promotions like get your premium plan enrollment feedback if you hit your goal weight, et cetera. Oh, I thought their promotions would be like, bring a friend. For sure. If they sign up for premium, we pay. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, multiple sides of the same coin. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So that membership piece covers your one-on-one weekly phone consultations with your, quote, supportive consultant, aka a Jenny Craig representative, Mm -hmm. where you have this kind of one-on-one time to discuss obstacles, motivation, exercise, et cetera. And this person has no credentials, I assume. Right. They've been, they've gone through a Jenny Craig training program. This is not a registered dietitian. (laughs) It's not a clinical counselor. Or a clinical counselor. No, just, just an employee. Okay. Yeah. And actually of note, this kind of, um, this is the position that had a lot of turnover that created a lot of kind of inconsistency. For sure. Right. (laughs) You know, there was a really interesting conversation in like a women in business magazine, an interview um, where she talks about, you know, we, all of our managers have, you know, worked their way up and, you know, we're 95% women at a management level. And, um, you know, all of them have been here five years or more, whatever statistics she throws out, but that wasn't where the problem was. The problem was at the consultant level, because when you mm-hmm. look at what's, who's forward facing to your customer, it's not managers. Nobody cares. Well, that's going to be your highest is. turnover area too. Right. And I mean, that's the case with all of retail. Totally. You know, that's how it works. But when that's your forward facing representative, if, 
you have that level of inconsistency, it makes it really hard to stay consistent in um, the product that you're delivering. Totally. It's like a hugely customer service-based Totally. Right. So if you're not getting good customers and it's, and it's very personal to talk about <laughs> these things. And if you've had no training to talk about like professional you know, yeah, know, it's, credits to, yeah. So. Yeah. Especially with food. There's so much control that goes into food, like, like psychological control that people mm. don't even aren't aware of. I don't know. It's not territory for someone who's like taking a course at Jenny Craig, a, a training course, a right? training seminar. So that's that kind of like consultant piece. And then in addition, you have to buy their foods, including five a day from them, including meals, snacks, bars, and shakes. And then one additional stack snack, you provide a piece of fruit. Um, so you have to buy a hundred percent of what you eat other than a piece of fruit from them. The cost of food. Yeah. The cost okay. of food is like $20 uh, day, you know, they're seeing an average of $160 weekly. Um, and okay. What I won't say this was surprising, but it was still shocking and honestly kind of gross is just how little food that money gets you. So, Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. No. How do you guarantee weight loss results? A thousand calories a day. (laughs) Oh, it's a little worse than that, but we'll get there. So, um, from one review, exaggerating, (laughs) Um, from one review quote, the tuna salad complete lunch kit consisted of about two tablespoons of tuna salad, six small crackers, and a small cup of sugary diced peaches. That's your lunch. What the fuck? Two tablespoons of tuna. No vegetables in there. Like there's no fiber. Like it's not even like so nutritionally dense. If you really like. There's like an approved list of vegetables. Oh, you could provide your own and add in. But again, like, you know. But vegetables aren't cheap. No. So if you're, do you know what I mean? Like, yep. You already have spent a hundred and let's say $60 on your food. And then you have to still buy more food. It's like every time I go to Costco, I'm like, how did I just spend $400 and we have nothing to eat tonight? Totally. Like, (laughs) damn it. I need to go buy something to eat for dinner. (laughs) Just have bulk fucking Um, tofu and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't want to cook it now. I spent no. my whole life exhausted from being at Costco. Um, so, I mean, it's a similar thing, only it's everything constantly. So while what they claim was that you could expect to eat between 1,200 and 2,300 calories per day on their plan, not once anywhere did I see anyone even remotely reaching 2,300 calories a day. And actually mm-hmm. almost everything I read from people actually doing it or who had actually done it was their initial weeks were more like 800 calories. And my guy, that is not enough food. That is not enough food. Especially when you're spending that much money, man. Well, and this is the kicker, right? It's like, wow. You're paying a lot for not. So how much was it per week for food? Like about $160. This is US dollars. So US dollars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, also of note from a review that analyzed kind of like the makeup of the foods, the overall plan is very low in fat. This is exactly yeah. what we were just talking about. It's only 90s. about right. But I mean, yeah, this is 80s, even. 90s. I mean, this was this was from 2019. So oh, it's still doing low fat. Okay, uh-huh, about 15 percent of your total calories, which is far too low. Most guidelines suggest somewhere around 25. Yeah, and unsurprisingly way, way too high in refined sugar. One sample yeah. menu provided 70 grams of sugar. That's just such a weird choice. I guess it's cheap. 
Is it like how they're buffering their profit margins? I don't know. I mean, no wonder people were getting gallstones, right? Like we see again and again, like extreme calorie restriction and super low fat diets have the capacity to do that in some people. So geez, especially women, will they say this is terrible, but there's like the F's for getting gallstones, fat, 40, female, fair. And I think there's one more. I can't remember what it is. That, that is your profile of who is like you're most likely to have gallstones. Well, and then you're not then saying it's a good in, profile, but that's just what it is. So you, which so who's anyone doing this, who's any of right? those things through then a you know a further risk factor of you know extreme yeah. calorie restriction, low fat diet, like well, duh. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, who's going to Jenny Craig? Probably mainly white people. Yeah. Probably mainly definitely women. women. Yeah. Probably a large percentage are in their forties or above. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're all at some point, at least they think they're fat. Well, right? and I mean, what, whether they are or not mean? is whatever, Irrelevant, but I mean, like, right. Right. So, I mean, when we look at that class action lawsuit, it doesn't feel so weird, but looking at the fiber, I just feel so sad for whoever was eating this because like they never poo so hungry too. And not like, just because 800 you, calories a day your is bowels like, won't work. Yeah. Like <laughs> 800 calories a day is less than my nine-year-old eats, but like, yeah you know, helps you poop, makes you feel full. We're supposed to eat somewhere around 25 grams of fiber a day. These sample menu plans had like six to eight. It's so weird because fibers like categorically good for you. Like there's very few fad diets that are like no fiber fibers bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, except maybe I don't know Atkins. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, I guess we have to think about the time period where you said this is like, but I mean, this is is 2019. Yeah. Like you would be star thing you starving starving. and like yeah I I don't know I'm really struggling with how low in fiber it is because fiber isn't necessarily like calorically dense like there's do you know what I mean like it's not and I mean sure you could argue you know there's an approved list of vegetables that you could add in but again but like it's really easy not everybody fiber yeah (laughs) like anyways So I think, and I want to highlight, this kind of comes back to the sugar piece we were just talking about. One of the things that people seem to really love or latch onto at least about this diet was all of the quote, bad foods you could eat. I hate even saying that. I know. Well, uh, well, Jenny called them no, no foods, didn't she? Yeah, right. she sure so, did. So cakes, yeah. cookies, pasta. Um, and I think pasta so is never a no-no. Pasta oh is. I'm sorry. Uh, cookies aren't a no-no either. Give me a freaking yummy, yummy, warm from the oven chocolate chip cookie. But and shame on whoever shines bad light on pasta. Well, and this pasta is what is I so find good. so interesting, right? The diet culture message is like, don't deprive yourself of what you love and still lose weight. But you are absolutely depriving yourself of like calories well, and basic nutrients. You have to be at a <laughs> calorie deficit like that. The this, you know, kind of like eat what you want and still lose weight piece, I think was really ties into this celebrity phenomenon um, that the company managed to get into in especially the 90s and early aughts. There's Jason Alexander, Monica Lewinsky, Mariah Carey, uh, Mel B yes. from the Spice Girls. But I think Mel that the most, B? yeah, Come she on. was like a huge spokeswoman. Okay. But I'm drop a um oh. little youtube in the chat oh okay because the most famous i think is this woman and this ad in particular i'll link it in the okay. show notes if you want to get a blast from the past oh of course One hundred jenny 20 jenny craig please this is kirstie alley it's in regards to me being fat can you hold on a second hey 
chubby too. Let's lose weight together. They have really yummy food that'll make it easy for us. They have chicken fettuccine. Fettuccine! Call 1-800-JENNY20 to lose all the weight you want for only $49 plus the cost of food. Jenny! Hey, hey, listen, girl, I'm fat. Have you called Jenny? So Kirstie Alley was spokesperson from 2004 to 2007 and lost 75 pounds in that period. And then again became spokesperson in 2014 and lost 50 pounds by 2015. But I think that this is exactly reflective of this diet. Maybe not this much of a loss. I don't think 75. This is like a results not results typical. Results not typical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it's more like 10 or 15 pounds, but it's this yo-yo crash diet approach that in the end turns out is actually far more damaging to our bodies than 10 or 15 pounds mm-hmm. heavier than some imaginary ideal of what your body's supposed to look like. Is. Mm-hmm. She also, like, I don't know about you, but I just thought it was really insulting that she's like, hey, you're hey, fat. You're fat. like, whoa, <laughs> are we you? supposed I'm to be really in sure. this together now? Because but that's just... the idea, right? Yeah. But I think, you know, this is. That was such like an ad from when I actually had TV and there were commercials. Right. And this is it, right? It's this commercial was everywhere. She's like, yeah. hey, we're both fat. Hey, we can eat fettuccine. She calls herself chubby at one point, right? It's like she's like ticking all of the emotional boxes for people. I also love that she was calling Jenny Craig, who no longer owned Jenny Craig by this <laughs> point in time. Like, I mean, probably if you're Kirstie Alley, you get to talk to Jenny herself. But it's like you're talking saying. to an executive at Nestle is who you're talking to. Just to kind of tie it back into our Ozempic episode. Right. Is exactly what we see as the problem with weight loss drugs, you know, in that Ozempic category. If you can do it is almost irrelevant, right? Because it locks you into doing it forever. And it Mm -hmm. is constantly approaching your body like a problem to be fixed if only it was Mm -hmm. smaller. And it's also using it off label. Like you're literally Mm -hmm. using it for something that it was not created for. And because it's off label, if there are any downstream sort of negative effects that happen, I would be I speculating that it would be really hard to, um, you know, sue or anything like that because the company would be like, we legitimately haven't approved it for this. Like we haven't tested it for this. Like you're not. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, even if you're using Wagavi who has the approval for it, right. I think the issue is. But not everywhere. Right. Your, like it's your not body approved everywhere. Well, yeah. In Canada, in Canada, in the U S it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's your body is a problem to be fixed and you can fix mm-hmm. it by making it smaller. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's that quote from Jenny and people in 1990, you know, what, what did you do? What have you done to yourself? And you, and do you need know, to now fix it. Right. Do you know what? I was actually having this a chat, this chat with a friend earlier in the week. And what I, we were talking about was, what is going to be the long-term effect of being mm-hmm. essentially malnourished? Because and a lot of, because you're not, with- you're not able to bring in enough nutrients, like never mind, like cat, like pretend we don't even care about calories or right. anything like that. But like your brain needs fat. Your like, like your, your brain body needs, fat. needs, your body needs vitamins, fiber, <laughs> right? Like you need fiber and you can only supplement, like you should if possible, just try and eat to get like most people that actually know a thing or two about vitamins will be like, if you eat a well-rounded diet, you do not need to take a vitamin supplement. Like that's that's sort of gold standard advice. Like if you can just like 
eat food that gives you those vitamins versus taking a powder or, you know, a pill form because absorption is very blah, 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 blah. So it's so, I don't know. It's just so There's backwards. only so much gap you can close by just adding in a supplement or another shake. Yeah. Or another, yeah. And, and it's and going to be I think, more expensive too. I, I wonder kind of on the, you know, further down the track to that is, is it, is this really, is Ozempic really any different than going on a crash diet other than you don't feel hungry, right? Is what we know is damaging to our bodies about severe caloric restriction. Is it completely destroys our metabolism? Mm-hmm. Like we don't know that long-term the, you know, these semaglutides aren't going to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, is it easier? Well, yeah, because sure. you don't feel hungry. <laughs> I think it's totally but is easier because you're not sitting there thinking about food all the time. Right. It's but definitely just because, not healthier. I mean, right. I bet you it's probably the same as in like, theory from a health point. It's the same as eating a calorie restricted diet. If you're eating 800 calories, Plus does some it really side matter? Effects that we don't know about yet. Right. Does it really matter <laughs> why you're eating 800 calories? If you're yeah. eating 800 calories, your body is getting less nutrient than my nine-year-old. That's just facts. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is if you are not eating enough, we know that especially, and we've talked about this, like we're both, I'm almost 40 you're in your early 40s right like (laughs) I'm just north of 40 just north I'm just south but like we we were talking about how important weightlifting is and getting muscle mass Mm. is so important for bone density it's so important now for women in our age and older arguably younger too but there's just so much mounting evidence probably because of what my I'm being fed algorithm wise because they know how old I am. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, there's more research being done. Yeah. As, you know, we can think, you know, the but baby boomers to, aging and. Yeah, but you're not be able pieces. to lift weights. Like if there's a few if things. If you're eating that 800 are, calories a day, you cannot you lift You can't. It's, it's no, no, you can't. Well, not yeah. safely. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're like, yeah. So I don't know. It just goes against what we sort of, in an area where science is ever changing, there are a few things that are pretty sort of like, we know that exercising is good for you. Right. We, we know might that disagree in what capacity. <laughs> yeah. Like we might we disagree really think- how much, you know, if you should only eat vegetables, but like you should yes. exercise, you should eat vegetables. Those are, you should eat, drink some water, sleep. Yes. You should eat as many foods that are in their like whole form as possible. Right. right. You should sleep well. You should exercise. Like these are just like very blanket, obvious. They may not be achievable for everybody, but they're pretty like totally. agreed upon basic but like that doesn't make any money. <laughs> Nobody can make money off of like you should drink some water. It's good for you to drink water. <laughs> Except for the good people at Stanley. Well, yeah, and actually I would water. argue the bad people at Nestle also, but anyway. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, those of us that have a- excellent tap water right. in our area. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think that's the other thing, right? When we can tie this back into like what who's selling it to us and why are they yeah. selling it to us, right? That's the same like, as clean beauty. Mhm. Exactly. It's a market. It's all marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the, that's where it kind of gets like, I don't know, that's where it's nefarious is it's, it's just marketing mm-hmm. and you've got a bunch of people sitting in a room figuring out as much as we want to think of a company like Jenny Craig, who is named after a person probably intentionally, cause it makes it feel yeah. more personal. That's- literally exactly what she said right? Focus group said it feels like more personal when it's in a well right so mm-hmm. it's designed to be more personal so that's how they're marketing like right. it's not it's 
it's just basic marketing. Anybody that goes to school for marketing will be like, yes, this is a good marketing strategy. It's like, how can I create a parasocial interaction between you and this corporation? Right? Yeah. Well, oh, and I case know in Jenny point, Craig, right? But case in point, Christy Alley, yeah. years after Jenny Craig doesn't even own Jenny Craig mm-hmm. in her ad is calling. And of course the consultants on this um, commercial shoot knew right. that right. Jenny, like the writers of that ad at some point it's were well aware <laughs> that there is no more Jenny Craig affiliated with the company, mm-hmm. right? They knew that. Yeah. It's done on purpose. It's smart marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So in conclusion, your body is not a problem to be fixed. No. So, okay. So they went out of business. Do you know, like, why did they just, um, no one wanted their high sugar zero. They could only, they could only sell low fiber to so many people in 2023. Well, I think the reality is the company has not been doing well for years and years. And eventually you just, you cannot continue to run, run it not profitably. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, there's a lot of conversation as to why that is. I mean, would it be? And I just like I literally spit my tea out laughing out loud about an article that was like, <laughs> it's because of the body positivity movement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me yeah. tell you, as a woman that cannot necessarily shop in every store because of the limited size range. Oh, yeah, that's definitely why Jenny Craig went out of business. Oh, yeah. It's everybody all those knows people not body shaming on the Internet and not commenting on how people look on the Internet. It's just so, <laughs> so prevalent that so there's prevalent. no need. Right. Right. Sure. So, yeah, if that were the case, I goop, goop would be going under, too. And like any other, you know, I can tell you why it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Lord. Lord. Yeah, so there's a there, bye bye. Bye bye, Jenny Craig. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting though, because (laughs) there was a whole era like Weight Watchers. I kind of put in that same category. Mm -hmm. Nutrisystem Um, actually their, you know, previous their competition and Atkins diet had like a whole food bars and stuff. The bars. Did they have meal? I don't remember trying to think of like that aisle in the grocery store. Lean cuisine is the one that I kept thinking about while I was reading all this. Yeah. Although the only thing with lean cuisine is they never had an, it wasn't like a diet. Yeah. It was just, yeah. yeah. But it's like, I feel that like I know of, I, I feel know. like it kind of takes that, the idea of Jenny Craig and runs with it mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you want a low calorie prepackaged. I mean, I think this is kind of the other thing that, you know, part of the reason that this becomes such a yo-yo for people is the reality is if you're eating all prepackaged foods, like mm-hmm. you don't know what 600 calories looks like. You don't know what 300 no. calories looks like. You don't know no. what feeding yourself enough fiber looks like, or even enough no. protein, right? Well, you don't so know what serving not... normal serving sizes are. 100%. Not that, I mean, and serving sizes are kind of arbitrary, but, right. but also but... like you, you legitimately don't even know what those arbitrary serving sizes right. are. You're giving yourself no context for food that is translatable into something that you're going to be able to continue. And this is why just like, you know, the semaglutides, it works when you're on it and it doesn't work when you're not right. Well, and that's, that's, that's sort of the whole ethos of it is it's Mm -hmm. like, we'll take care of this for you. We'll make it easy. Everybody wants things to be easy. We're all busy. Of course. But of course, as soon as you like stop doing it, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to follow the same caloric intake. You're not going to follow the same recipes. I do find it kind of funny how there's so much on one side of wellness and weight loss. There's all this anti highly processed foods 
Right. And then on the other side, there's just processed foods, highly, highly, highly Straight processed foods. Highly processed foods. Yeah. So it's like, like, is there a horseshoe that happens with those? Well, so like, I mean, I'm, I guess there is, it's called supplements, right? <laughs> but still, right. Like, but, I, don't know, I mean, so and this is why people throw up their hands and say, I don't understand. And I can't possibly understand because it's really challenging to make sense of constantly contradictory messaging. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are somebody who genuinely wants help and dietary support, I would find yourself a good registered dietitian who you align with, who you like. It's like, I would say it's like finding a therapist. Yeah. You know, it looking for things out. like looking for things like, um, health at every size, right. Yes. Looking for some of these. So you're not, you're not learning how to eat per se. Right. You're just right. learning how to perceive what you eat so that it's not a place of fear, you know, totally. And probably more than 800 calories a day. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Me We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.